Got a remedy to hold on to the truth that we're carrying. And love is the space between, the space between the seed and the whole tree. What do you say? What's in your soul? Put in the time and let it all go. Root to rise, root to rise, sunshine. friend. I'm Rachel Alaya, and this is Root to Rise. Welcome. I'm grateful and blessed to be here with you. This is a podcast for those of you who are putting in the sweet effort of living into a different way of being human. For those rooting down and rising up into the most beautiful world you know is possible. In this podcast, we will be exploring a wide range of topics, including conscious motherhood, spirituality and homesteading, marriage, homeschooling, healing, and more. This podcast comes from the living laboratory that is my own life, which incorporates an exploration of what it means to hospice the old dying ways of being out of this world and midwifing into life and existence that centers love, compassion, beauty, truth, and freedom. So get comfortable, maybe grab a tea or a coffee and sit down and journey with me. I'll be sharing podcasts weekly, and I look forward to receiving input from you. Please feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory and leave us a rating or a view if it resonates. Thanks so much for being here, and I look forward to seeing where this journey takes us. Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the podcast. This one is our second episode. Please excuse the frog in my throat. My family has been moving through a healing, I don't like to call it sickness, because I understand symptoms as a result of the body's healing process. Now, that definitely has to do with, I'm realizing, the theme of our podcast today. So, yes, excuse the voice. I sound a bit (laughs) froggy, if no other adjective (laughs) comes to my mind right now. 
and <clears throat> let me have a sip of coffee, see if that doesn't help. So as I explained in the last episode, I come to you very early in the morning, which is the time that I get to come and be with you and record this. And there is something that I've been thinking about. I had a beautiful conversation yesterday with a friend of mine, Alexandra. Her Instagram handle is Alexandra's Adventures. And we've known each other probably for about nearly five years, at least four and a half. And... We have something in the works, hopefully, together to create and offer you all. But yesterday we were chatting for a while and she's about to start a podcast. So we were talking about what we might talk about on the podcast. And this theme came up around our needs having needs and it got me thinking and as I was thinking I thought you know what I'm gonna make this into a podcast so here we are I want to talk today about needs so what do I mean by that I mean we all have needs as human beings as mothers, as children of God, as daughters, partners, etc. And one of the practices that is life changing is being able to recognize and communicate what our needs are. This is revolutionary because in so many ways we are taught from a young age that our either our needs don't matter, that we don't we, that we shouldn't have needs, that our needs won't be met for a variety of reasons. And the practice of developing into spiritual adulthood is really about, in many ways, what I mentioned just now, which is recognizing and communicating what our needs are and finding ways to to resource those needs. So... When I became a mother, I went through a deep healing process. One might call it a healing crisis where a lot of things bubble up to the surface in order to be processed and purged and dealt with. So... 
I went through a few years of pretty intense therapy with a psychotherapist and I went down a lot of paths to understand in greater depth what it was that I was moving through. And one of the areas that I decided to do my own studies on or research was around complex complex trauma. And one of the areas of study that helped me to understand my own process was around under the understanding of attachment styles. So I couldn't tell you exactly who spearheaded the research, sort of the psychological research in this theoretical vein, but I read a few books and found out that my dominant attachment style was something called anxious attachment. And this attachment style, the way that I would describe it is that those who are anxiously attached are more likely to... um, I guess, ignore or discredit their own needs at the expense, or I should say, um, in order to focus on the people around them and caretake the needs of everyone else. Now, there's a reason for that. And our behaviors, our patterns don't just appear out of thin air. They arise and develop out of a very specific environment in which they exist. So I was looking at a piece of writing that I wrote about a year, over a year ago. What year is it? (laughs) I think it was about a year ago. I looked at the date and I thought, wow, okay. Um, Around recognizing our patterns and our behaviors and the way that we do things, not like within a vacuum. So we can often look at ourselves and see you know, bad habits or the way that we communicate or the things that we do in our lives, the patterns that we we have in our, our actions, our behaviors through a kind of almost pathological lens. Right? Like, why do I do that? <laughs> or I wish I wasn't like that. You know, I've, I've worked with several people one-on-one who come to me wanting to change certain things about themselves. And one of the first things that I do with them is to show them that their 
behaviors and their patterns aren't random. That they arose as an intelligent response to the conditions that they were existing in. And most of us develop these patterns in a, from a very young age based on our primary relationships when we were children with our caretakers, our parents, our families, the people who are, you know, in the immediate vicinity of our lives. <clears throat> so when we begin to recognize that those patterns are there in order to help us resource and meet our needs, we can start to do the work of actually shifting those behaviors and patterns. But if we're coming at it in a way where we're either just ignoring what our needs are or we can't see that particular connection between our patterns, our behaviors, our actions, and the underlying motivations beneath them, it makes it a bit harder, in my very humble opinion. <clears throat> so the question that often arises is, what underlying need is this behavior trying to meet? And in the case of myself, in my own case, Anxious attachment arose from a need to caretake the people around me in order to feel a sense of safety and security and belonging. So I had to anticipate the needs of those around me in order to keep myself safe in many ways whether that is physically safe, psychologically safe, emotionally safe. We all sort of <clears throat> move in the direction of wanting to keep ourselves secure, especially as young children. And if we grew up in a chaotic environment, if we grew up with any level of abuse or trauma in the household, if our parents just simply didn't have the bandwidth, the capacity to hold our big feelings or help us process them, if they were focused on their own needs not being met and were not able to help us meet our basic needs, if you know, they were doing the very best that they could, but we experienced some kind of neglect. All of these things affect how we relate to our needs and to the people around us. And so an anxious attacher will ignore their own needs in order to try to meet everyone's needs around them. And this often results in a lot of people-pleasing behaviors, 
a lot of self-abandonment and betrayal, a lot of um, burnout, a lot of, hmm. well, you see where I'm going with this, right? Like sort of changing and shape-shifting who we are in order to fit in and sort of on the other end of the spectrum, which is someone who I am in close relationship with in my life, you have an an avoidant attacher who kind of does the opposite in some ways, you know, like hyper focuses on their own needs at the expense of those around them because that was their way of coping, right? Like I got to focus on myself and avoid those around me or avoid like recognizing that our needs are really interdependent in order to meet meet my own needs. Like I got to do this myself. And, um, and or just detach completely from, um, you know, processing or dealing with the feelings, emotions, stuff that comes up when our needs aren't met. So we just like don't go there, right? And it's interesting because as I was learning about all this, I found out that quite often the anxious attachers and the avoidant attachers uh, pair up. (laughs) They create this kind of like dysfunctional compatibility. And my own process with my husband, I'm calling him out now, Sorry, babe. Um, In the early stages of our relationship, because I would carry this pattern over into my sort of romantic relationships. And as an anxious attacher, I felt um, kind of needy, you know, like really anxious about knowing where my partner was a lot and feeling like I had to sort of hyper-focus on what they were doing. And interestingly, my process went through a phase with my husband when we were in our early relationship that I had to learn how to effectively communicate what my needs were to him and also to do it in a way that I knew that my needs were actually valid, (laughs) that there wasn't anything wrong with having certain needs in a relationship and that my partner meeting those needs really was kind of a prerequisite for us being together. And that was really scary for me to 
to learn and to practice because I thought that if I did do that, if I communicated what my needs were, if I, um, you know, was very open and honest about when my needs weren't being met, that I would uh, push him away, that he would leave. And that I would like scare, scare him away sort of by having needs. And so learning how to recognize what my needs were, learning how to communicate those needs in a way that was healthy and loving and respectful, asking for my needs to be honored and met, and you know, circling back around and being willing to be communicative about, um, you know, all of those things was really transformative for me being in relationship because interestingly and rather suddenly I met someone who cared about me and meeting my needs and who was willing to you know, make certain changes in order to honor and meet the needs that I was expressing. Like, what a revolution. (laughs) It really was for me. And it was very healing, you know, and it required quite a bit of effort on my part and on his part. But I'm thinking about how as a mother, I have an opportunity to shift these patterns of basically, you know, either learning to ignore our needs. Well, I should say teaching our children (laughs) that their needs are not valid or that having needs is wrong. And we do this in really subtle ways. And I catch myself doing it. And always having an awareness of something is the first step to change it, right? So whenever, for instance, if our kids are having really big emotions or feelings some days and we tell them to you know go away essentially when we can't help them hold those feelings the underlying message to them is that they're not allowed to have emotional expression that their need of being seen and heard and acknowledged in their big feelings isn't valid or important oof this is really hard (laughs) because many of us grew up in situations where that was the case for us And 
we don't necessarily have the window of tolerance in our nervous system to meet our children in their big expression of feeling. This is the case for me at least. (laughs) So... I want to circle back around to something that I said earlier about recognizing the behaviors and patterns that we have as originating from a way, from a need, essentially. Like, the what we're doing and, and how we're doing it is a way that we're able to resource and meet a need. And so when we look at our behaviors and our patterns from that lens, we can start to understand a little bit more intimately what is the need that's being met through this behavior? What underlying need is there that this is trying to meet? Let me have a recognition or a moment of acknowledging the intelligence of this behavior to meet that need, rather than in the awareness of this process, creating a kind of stigma or shame around it, or a resistance. So the task is then to see that there is an an underlying intelligence there. Even if it looks pathological from the outside, even if it looks, you know, wrong or bad or um, crazy, there is an underlying intelligence that's expressing itself that's helping you to meet some kind of need. And in our children, it's difficult to sometimes see that connection. And yet, right, like when our, our child is having an intense emotional outburst, recognizing that there's an underlying need somewhere in that static that they're seeking to meet. And so as we're parenting, I should say as I'm parenting, of course, bringing it it back to earth, bringing it back to me, my task is really to be able to recognize and honor the needs of my children help them learn that their needs are valid and teach them ways to functionally and healthfully and integrally meet their needs. And if we're talking about ourselves, learning how we're resourcing certain needs and seeing if those need if those patterns or behaviors are really in alignment with our highest self. If they're 
in alignment with the most beautiful world we wish to live into. And if they're not, you know, taking that moment to acknowledge the underlying intelligence and then recognizing that you have an opportunity to resource your needs in a different way that is more aligned with the person that you wish to be or become, the world that you wish to create. Because every moment is a choice, even if it doesn't appear to be an accessible one. We're offered choice. And sometimes those choices are more accessible and available. Sometimes they're not. Absolutely. But in the moments that we do have awareness, we have a choice and an opportunity to choose our highest and best. And the highest and best good for all. In a way that aren't rooted in our traumas and our wounds, but in a way that is connected to our dynamic interdependence in a way that is connected to the vision of the world and the vision of ourselves that we hold in, you know, I like to use that phrase, the most beautiful world we know is possible or the most beautiful life we know is possible. So if there's a pattern that you have that you're looking to shift or if there's a habit that you're seeking to change or break, my invitation to you through this exploration that we've gone on today in this podcast episode is recognizing what is the underlying need that this behavior is seeking to meet How can I honor and acknowledge the intelligence of that pattern that exists? And what are the ways that I can resource my needs differently? And what might that look like? What changes are required of me in order to do that? Yesterday I was on Instagram and I saw a post from Water Priestess and she said something basically along the lines of, you know, everyone's looking for this magical solution. You know what the magical solution is? Effort and consistency. I was like, okay, deliver it. Sometimes that's a difficult pill to swallow. But doing this process with effort and consistency, I personally have seen beautiful healing happen for myself. I'm not perfect. As a mother, I catch myself all the time either invalidating my child's needs 
subtly teaching them that their needs don't matter or not really being able to meet their needs in that moment. You know, and the the task then is not to develop some kind of shame or guilt around it, but to recognize, honor, and see what's going on and make the effort consistently to do something different, something that's aligned with the more beautiful world that I know is possible. So with that, I will leave you today. Thank you for being here. I love you much. I hope you remember that. If you want to be in touch with me, you can find me on social media, on Instagram, at rachel.alaya, R-A-C-H-A-E-L dot Alaya, A-L-A-I-A. I'm in the process of revamping my website, which in the future will be under the address rachelalaya.love as I used to have a different web address but some poachers came and took it when I let it expire so rachelalaya.love it is but it's not quite ready yet um but maybe in some future iteration in some future point when you're listening to this it will be (laughs) And you can also send me an email, rachel.alaya at protonmail.com, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. I'd love to hear from you. If this episode resonated, please share it with somebody. That's, that's what I ask, humbly. And also, if you're digging what I'm putting out, go ahead and leave a review or a rating on your favorite podcast directory. The one that I use is Apple Podcasts. So if you're on there, go ahead and go into the ratings, reviews, leave a short review, five-star rating. I would so appreciate it. And with that, I will leave you. So have a really beautiful day. And we'll talk soon.